following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I am walking today through a veil of tears. Now I want to be clear with you. It's not a veil of tears because of what has or has not happened right now. It's a veil of tears because I've been a pastor for so many years and I have watched the destruction of the church so many times. It's a veil of tears because I have read every account I could find of revival. I've read and spoken with men who were ministering in the Welsh revival. I have experienced small revivals like the Jesus Movement. In all of the revival work that I have read about, there has been one mark, predominant. I want to describe that for you today, and please, I'm not speaking about any one person. I'm speaking about the composite Christian in America. And what I have observed through years of ministry and sorrow and brokenness as I have ministered in the body of Christ in little tiny house churches, in larger churches, and even in mega churches. I have broad experience particularly in the holiness movement. And I walk through a veil of tears today because of what I have seen as I have ministered. Last night I could barely sleep. I was up much of the night, weeping before God for the church. See, I don't want to talk to you about revival. I want revival. And as long as we talk about it and don't do it, revival will never come in America. And my experience is most Christians feel self-righteous and they block the very things that would cause the Holy Spirit to fall and transform America and make us into a righteous nation. So please today, this is not personal, but I'm going to speak as a physician, analyzing what has happened to us. And this is so very personal to me because this very same disease is now afflicting the National Prayer Chapel and it has increasingly choked the National Prayer Chapel until almost all the life was out of us. It was a dark cloud hanging over us. And I feel broken and ashamed that I did not identify much more quickly what the issues were. They've now been dealt with. 
And this Sunday, if you'd like to come to the National Prayer Chapel, you're welcome to come. But understand, it will not be normal church. It will be an intense conversation about what must happen for revival to actually come. It will be a time of prayer and tears and fellowship and love. So for me, these issues are are very, very personal. But I'm not going to speak now to any one individual. I want to speak about this very painful condition that has come into the body of Christ and that has caused me such anguish time after time after time. It's very clear. In Hebrews 3 and 4, that when we harden our heart, the Lord responds by saying, you will not enter into my rest. When we harden our hearts in bitterness and anger, when we harden our hearts in self-righteousness and Pharisees, Pharisaic, pharisaical religion the Holy Spirit will not come and he is grieved from us and so there is barely any Holy Spirit presence in the modern church so I'm going to speak very frankly with you about this issue but I want to begin where we left off yesterday in the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is divided into two portions. The first are the portions for God, and the second are the portions for us. We are to begin the Lord's Prayer by saying, Our Father in heaven, not my Father. So if you separate yourself and say, well, this is where I'm at, and if you don't like it, I'm leaving. You've missed the Lord's Prayer. The prayer is, Your kingdom come. In other words, may the royal authority of God be exercised over my life. Your will be done. Literally, the word done is the word in English for generator. Your will be generated in my heart. What is that will of God that is to be generated in my heart? It is not the life of the Pharisee. Let me read this for you. In Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5, verse 20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness may exceed beyond that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you may by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the person who establishes their own standards, their own properness, the person who establishes their own rules and regulations, and then try to enforce those on others, 
they have grieved the Holy Spirit from their life and they're walking as a Pharisee. And I've seen this year after year after year in the church. Phariseeism, self-righteousness, establishing my own standards, demanding that everybody else measure up to what I think they should measure up to. And it causes a breaking of relationships. It causes splits in the church. Jesus says that unless your righteousness may exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you may by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Keep that passage in the back of your mind as we now begin to walk through what totally blocks revival today in the church. Now we find... Jesus saying, Give us today our daily bread. That's the first request for ourselves in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says in John, the sixth chapter, verse 53, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you may eat the flesh of the Son of Man and may drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is truly food, and my blood is truly drink. That the one eating my flesh and drinking my blood remains in union with me, and I in union with him. Now please understand. The first prayer we pray for ourselves. After asking that the name of God be holy to us. After we ask that he would let his royal authority begin to rule over us, and after we ask that his generating power come into our life and create us to be what he desires, he says, now eat my flesh and drink my blood. Don't eat your opinions. Don't drink your beliefs about your right and that person is wrong. Don't feast on your judgments. Oh, I've seen it so many times. The phone lines begin to buzz between people who are offended. And as the phone lines buzz, they walk deeper and deeper into wickedness and sin and Phariseeism judgmentalism but do you know it is almost impossible to speak with a person in that spiritual condition they are so convinced they're righteous and right the facts don't matter anymore all that matters is they have their judgments they have their righteousness and it is as filthy rags before god How many times I've gone and sat down and tried to talk with a precious person about their self-righteous position of being right. And there's no cracking that. When a person becomes convinced they are right, they become malignant in the body of Christ. Christ. 
when a person becomes convinced that their judgments are correct, they begin to choke the church. You begin to see that the joy, the simmering love, the freedom begins to dissipate in the body of Christ. And the church becomes rigid. Relationships are like a tinderbox. Everybody's walking on eggshells. Everybody's trying to measure up. Or it goes the other way and it becomes just a casual social church and everybody's there just because they love each other. And everybody wants to have wonderful fellowship and listen to the pretty music and listen to the preacher as he does his little song and dance, making certain not to offend anybody. Please, today, I'm not walking on eggshells. I intend to make an omelet. And believe me, it will be the food of God. And if you won't eat that omelet, you're in trouble. And I'm not going to sweeten it. I'm not going to spice it up with check, with ketchup or mustard or some other foolish thing. It's time we honestly looked at our hearts and said, Why is this bitter spirit in my heart? Why is this judgment against my brother or my sister? Why do I hold that so firmly with such fervent anger? with such wickedness. And so people stop going to church. They drop out. And they say the church is filled with hypocrites. The pastor's this. This person's that. And the body of Christ is destroyed. But they're right. Oh, they're right. I walk through a veil of tears because of the self-righteousness of God's precious people because it is blocking the Holy Spirit from coming. I would rather have a congregation of ten people who love each other and who walk in the Spirit than a church of three thousand judgmental, pharisaical people who demand that everybody measure up to their standard. God forbid it! And yet it's in every church. People say to me, the hardest job in the world is being a pastor. Why? Because every pastor has to deal with stubborn-hearted, bitter people who have their list of rights and wrongs, who have their list of grudges. A precious sister that led the praise and worship for some time came into my office, and she sat down with me, and she said, Pastor, you've deeply offended me. I said, I'm so sorry, sister. How have I offended you? I'll be happy to repent. Well, she took out of her purse a, a notebook. And she had a couple hundred issues that I had offended her over. And after she'd gone through about 50 or 60 of them, I held my hands up and I said, stop, stop. I'm not going to listen to your offenses. You need to go back and repent. You need to get before God and ask him to take the bitter root out of your heart. And short of that, you should probably go find another church where you can be bitter because you cannot be bitter in this church. 
and she got up and stomped out of the house, and I've never seen her again. I've never heard from her again. Praise God! I don't want to hear from bitter people. I don't want to hear from people filled with self-righteousness. They choke the church, and they block the Holy Spirit, and they do it with Seth. Such self-righteousness makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me want to vomit. No wonder Jesus said to the Laodicean church, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. I would that you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. Why are you lukewarm? Because you're, you're naked and you're miserable and you don't even know your own condition. Why? Because you're so full of yourself. So Jesus begins by saying, okay, look, feast on my body, drink my blood. Can I put it another way? Get over yourself and repent. The Lord has had to say that to me many times because I too have grown angry and hostile and I've judged now if I do that the Holy Spirit flees from me he's grieved by this if I grow angry with a person the Holy Spirit leaves me if I bite another person with my wolf nature the Holy Spirit just leaves me to my self-righteousness Now, I'm probably preaching to the choir because all of you are probably wonderful, sweet, humble men and women of God with no bitterness and no anger and no judgments and no self-righteousness. If that be true, please forgive me for this message. But I know if that were true, revival would be breaking out all over Washington, D.C. And it's not. Why not? Well, verse 12, kind of in the second petition, sums this up. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So self-righteous people who are full of their own greed and their own power and their own pharisaical hearts, their sins have not been forgiven by God. And so... The Holy Spirit has left them to their bitterness and their anger. And the place to begin is to repent and forgive those who have sinned against you or the imagined sin against you. Now, as I look at all of this, please... I have to go I have to go to another passage of scripture I have to go to Peter First Peter First Peter the the first chapter 
having purified your souls by obedience of the truth. Through the spirit of unhypocritical love, you must love one another out of a pure heart constantly. You cannot love another until your heart has been purified by obedience before Jesus. Until you have repented of your sin. Until you have turned away from those things of bitterness that rise up in your heart. Chapter 2. Therefore, having already put off all malice. What is malice? Malice is literally a malignancy. A malignancy. Ill will. If you have ill will toward any person today, there is a cancer in your soul. And this cancer is causing the Holy Spirit not to come to his church. And it's blocking revival. It is choking the body of Christ. And the word is, lay aside your cancer. And hypocrisies. Jesus said, take the beam out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Having the beam in our eye and being unconscious of it and thinking that our brother has a beam in his eye blocks the Holy Spirit revival. He says... Put off envy and all evil speaking. Evil speaking is gossip. What is gossip? It is rumor or talk of a personal, sensational, or intimate nature out of, out of lacking the full truth. How many times in the body of Christ through the many years I've been a pastor, a rumor starts someone is very certain of this is that true yes I saw it I heard it really and the telephone starts to buzz and suddenly people begin to call a ringleader in the church who is very very self-righteous And then finally the pastor begins to hear about the rumors and the gossip. And it doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the truth is. Everybody's convinced, I've got the truth. And the gossip spreads like cancer. I've watched this happen in church after church after church until finally people say, okay, we're not going to be personal anymore. We're going to come. We're going to sit in our place. We're going to listen to the preacher. We're going to enjoy his entertainment. We're going to enjoy his 
inspiration. We're going to enjoy the music, and then we're going to exit the church as quickly as we can at the end. And we'll make as many friends as we can, but frankly, we're not going to be very open to anybody because it's not safe. Why is the church not safe? Because it's filled with choking people full of their own opinions and their own ideas and their own judgments and their own standards and their own properness. And so the church is not safe because if if you walk in and you're not dressed the way you're supposed to be dressed or if you do something that they think you're not supposed to do, oh, you're anathema. And so revival doesn't come. How does revival come? Revival comes as we lay aside malice, as we lay aside our judgments, as we humble our hearts before God and we repent. In repentance comes revival. Marking every revival in history is the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit as someone begins to repent of their judgmentalism. But no, we'd rather just leave and take our opinions with us and spread the gossip even further, the malignity, the cancer. This cancer has eaten the modern church up in America. I've watched it now for 40 years. I can't tell you how many times I've been through a veil of tears for the church over this bitter root and you know, sometimes people begin to recognize the bitter, bitter root and they, and they finally have the victory over the bitter root until something happens in the church that they disapprove of. And now suddenly the bitter root is right back in their heart, destroying the church. God loves the church because it's his body. It is the body of Jesus Christ. And we have treated in the modern era the church with such utter contempt and hardness of heart with our judgments and our self-righteousness. Until we've been divided, those true believers who earnestly seek after Jesus with all their hearts, sweet sweet, sweeter than honey of spirit, humble of heart, earnestly seeking Jesus. And then we have in the church the hangers-on for the entertainment and the social life, for what they can get out of it, and they cut everything else off. And then we have those who are half-hearted, half-converted, very self-righteous, very proper, very judgmental. And somehow, usually, they team up with those who are half-converted also because they've come just for the entertainment. And then the board gets filled with people who are not really converted. The vestry is filled with half-hearted Christians And then you have that small minority of people who weep before the Lord for the church. 
as the church is slowly choked and becomes a formal institution where the Holy Spirit has been grieved away. And the word no longer goes forth with power because the pastor has to keep the people happy so they'll keep coming and giving their money. I guess you can probably tell today that I'm not much interested in keeping you happy and keeping your money flowing. That's why I say to you often, this is not listener-sponsored radio, this is Jesus-sponsored radio. So I come today and speak very forthrightly through a veil of tears and brokenness. Recognizing that we've been called as living stones to be built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ, Instead, we tear the stones down with our opinions and our judgments. And we destroy the body of Christ. And we feel so, so self-righteous about our tearing down the body of Christ. (laughs) Because I'm a pastor, I am most often the object of those arrows But after all these years, they still hurt like fire in my soul. Because revival doesn't come. (laughs) All I want is the presence of the Holy Spirit to come and build the church and make it a holy, safe place where men and women humble their hearts before God and love one another. But we can't love one another when we're judging one another. I don't like that person. Somebody said that to me this morning. You know what, Pastor? I don't like that person. And I said to them, then please repent because you're sinning against God. And when you don't like that person, you're not liking Jesus Christ. So get over it or you're going to be lost. You can't be saved and have a heart full of judgment and hate. You can't be saved and have a heart full of pharisaical righteousness where you've built your own castle. You can't be saved. Jesus Christ is the precious cornerstone of the church. When you strike the church, you're striking Jesus Christ. When you judge the church, you're judging Jesus Christ. When you judge your pastor, you're judging Jesus Christ. When you judge a member and you have bitterness and anger in your heart, you are judging Jesus Christ. And revival will not be poured out in that fellowship until there is an honest coming to terms with your wickedness and you repent before God. So the church becomes a formal institution. And my heart is broken. I've given my life for the church. I love the church with all my heart. I love God's people with all my heart. That's why I close this broadcast time after time by saying, I love you, my brother and sister. And please, I'm speaking to you this way today because I love you. 
and because we must leave our idols, our bitter roots, our judgments, we are sinning against the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's very clear. The Holy Spirit will have no part with malice. He'll have no part with evil speaking, gossip. Somebody said to me today, did you see that person laughing on Sunday? I said, oh, you foolish, foolish person. Repent before the judgment of God falls on your life. Look, we're not playing games here. This is life and death. Salvation is in the church. And if the church is filled with darkness and it's being choked by this dark spirit of criticism and lack of love, how then can we be saved? If the church is being choked by your opinions, how then can we be saved? How will the Holy Spirit come to us? Let me read this to you, please. found in Galatians. I'm turning there quickly, please. Let's not go quickly over this. Now I say, you must walk in the Spirit and you absolutely cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh, the fallen nature. Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifestations. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, indecency. What if I come against you and say, Oh, my brother, you're committing adultery. Whoa, what a judgment. What if they're not? What if they're not? But I spread the word that they're committing adultery. Listen, it says, the works of the flesh are hatred, discord, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, strife, dissensions, false teachings, envy, murders, drunkenness. The ones participating in such things cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And see, we as a church pride ourselves, oh, we're not into witchcraft. We're not committing adultery. We're not fornicating. Oh, but what are you doing with fighting and strife and striking the body of Christ with your fists? What are you doing with with self-righteousness? What are you doing with 
with discord. Seditions As one man said, Oh, pastor, what you're saying is not in accord with the traditions of my life, my family, my culture. Oh, I thought we came into a new culture. I thought we came into the culture of Jesus Christ. Are you still living by those old witchcraft cultures? Are you still paying homage to your traditions and the traditions of your family? I am walking through a veil of tears, my brother, my sister. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Agape, self-sacrificing love. What am I sacrificing? My opinions. My right to gossip. My right to judge. My right to be right. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. When you walk into a church and there's a heaviness in the church and there's not an explosive kind of joy, you know it's for one of two reasons. Either because the church is being choked by criticisms and bitterness and judgmentalism or the work of God is being done and revival is happening and men and women are repenting in tears for their sin. Or it's a cultural, institutional church where you just go like you go to the Kennedy Center and you enjoy the opera, the orchestra. The fruit of the Spirit is peace, shalom. What's that mean? Every provision is there for one brother to another, one sister to another. Instead of judging a sister, we go and put our arms around her. Instead of judging a brother, we go put our arms around him. And we're curious. And we find out how we can support and how we can give and how we can love. We don't judge. We don't give them the cold shoulder. My heart has been so grieved in the church when I've watched a brother or a sister walk in and they see someone sitting on the right-hand side, so they go sit on the left-hand side. And then after church, they make sure that in the mixing, they don't come close to one another because there's such a causticness in one heart or both hearts. Families where one brother goes for five or six years and refuses to speak to his brother or refuses to speak to his father or his mother because of judgment. The church of Jesus Christ is marked by self-sacrificing love, by explosive joy, and by shalom, where we provide for one another even if it sacrifices our own life. I 
I praise God for those of you who who sacrifice your life for Pilgrim's Progress. You give me such courage. There's one dear man who sent in three pledges for this last month because he has such compassion and love for the Word of God. He made me weep. Such love. The church is marked by goodness, not by bitterness. The church is marked not by outbursts of wrath and strife and dissension. It is marked by goodness and faith and gentleness and self-control. You see, you can only have these things if you have crucified the flesh, if you've crucified the bitter spirit, if you've crucified your judgmentalism. And until this happens, the church will be choked. The National Prayer Chapel is no longer choked. This Sunday, we are going to go baseline. We are going to speak to one another. We're going to talk to one another and we're going to pray and we're going to search the word. We're going to repent. And we're going to say there has to be a total new direction for the prayer chapel. We had become more and more a normal church. I will not pastor a normal church. I will make make an egg omelet. I will not walk on eggshells. Well, is the National Prayer Chapel going to survive? Well, it's not mine. It belongs to Jesus. Of course it's going to survive. And of course we're going to be there Sunday at our regular time, 12 noon. Are we going to be bickering? No, we are not going to be bickering. Are we going to be judging? No, we are not going to be judging. Are we going to be hard of heart? No, we're not going to be hard of heart. If we are, we are going to be called to repent. If you'd like to be a part of a church like that, you're welcome to come. But come prepared to repent. Because judgmentalism is going to be confronted right up front with the gospel of Jesus. Bitterness is going to be confronted. Gossip is going to be dealt with. We're not going down this path again. Lies against one another are not going to be spoken or we will talk about it and pray for you now I've really laid out some very difficult things for you today and please understand I did it because I love you I don't want to talk anymore about revival I want revival now I want us to repent of our wickedness before God I'm walking through a veil of tears because I see this wickedness in the church and I'm saying, oh God, rescue us. Save us from ourselves. Now we're out of time today. And Mr. Producer's telling me we have a very short amount. Two minutes and 15 seconds, he says. I want to do two things. One, I want to invite you to come on Sunday. 
We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. It will be a worship service like none you've ever attended before. And believe me, you won't walk on eggs. You'll be real, because we'll be real. We're located at the All Saints Anglican Church. It's at 14851 Gideon Drive in Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. I invite you to come and witness. The Lord said the National Prayer Chapel would be born in a day. That day has come. The prayer chapel will be born now because we have finally dealt with the choking hold of bitterness on this church. Come and worship with us. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find this broadcast and you'll find many others that will help you in the journey. I also invite you to write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person who's heard this broadcast. I pray, Lord, you will do a work of repentance, if necessary, in their hearts, breaking all hardness and all opinion and all self. And I pray for revival now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I love you.